Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Hey, good morning, everybody. I've been thinking lately uh, that every year that I get older, my birthdays become less and less significant. It's just less of a thing. And I'm not up here to complain about that this morning, but it's just true. As I get older, you know, I'm, I'm getting less presents and there's less, you know, there's just less of a to-do about my birthday. And in some ways that's good because it's just a reminder that I'm not getting any younger anyways. But, you know, for example, yesterday our daughter, who's about to turn two, we had a birthday party for her. And for her, we decorated the house. We bought like special food for that. We asked her what kind of a theme she wanted for her birthday. She said yellow fishy theme. So we got a bunch of yellow stuff and fishy. We didn't really know what it meant, but we, we decorated and, you know, all these people came over. We had a party. Uh, people gave her presents. And I mean like nice presents, like lots of stuff. Uh, like a year and a half ago, I had no idea what the names Melissa and Doug meant. And then we had this little wooden, like, kind of shape putting in toy that, uh, so my wife's family is Mennonite, that my Mennonite mother-in-law gave us. It said Melissa and Doug on it. And I thought, this is probably some farm kids between harvest, kind of banging out a few toys in southern Manitoba. She probably bought it at a flea market somewhere, and we have this thing. What I've come to discover is that Melissa and Doug are like multi-trillionaires living somewhere, capitalizing on children all around the world. Like Jeff Bezos, look out, because here come Melissa and Doug. These guys are like dominating the world of every present. Melissa and Doug, Melissa and Doug, Melissa and Doug. And, you know, I was thinking about it, it's like my birthday... You know, it's not, no one's like going out and getting a pinata and being like, oh, where should we, you know, what, what are we doing for the party and stuff like that. If you ask me what I'm doing on my birthday, it's like, well, probably working, uh, unless it's a Saturday, then probably cleaning my house. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's just not a big thing. March 18th, in case anybody's like, oh, how can I change that trend for Ryan? But uh, it's just not a big thing. And that's okay. I think about that in the context of Christmas, because Christmas is this big thing in a lot of parts of the world. This huge thing. People spend so much money. We're padding people like Melissa and Doug's bank accounts around Christmas time. I don't know if those guys believe in Jesus, but let me tell you, they love Jesus, you know, because they are making bank off of this birthday celebration. He has. Like, whoever runs Apple, it doesn't matter what they believe about Jesus. What they know about Jesus is that he makes their financial year-end make sense because Christmas is a huge deal. And it's this massive birthday. Jesus is born like over 2,000 years ago. And his birthday, arguably in some ways, is becoming a bigger and bigger deal every year. 2,000 years from now, no one, no one is going to be celebrating Ryan's birthday. Or any of yours, just in case you had your hopes up. But Jesus, we have this whole Christmas season celebrating his birthday. I get the same song all of you get for my birthday. But Jesus... 
he has like all these jams written about him and more people are writing them and Celine Dion's putting out a new album about Christmas songs every year. And, and, and it's this huge thing. And it's kind of awesome because the text we're going to be looking at this morning reflects on the fact that God is just so much bigger and so much greater than us. And I think Christmas is a cool way to think about that, that as my birthdays become less and less significant and less and less important, Jesus continues to be this thing for thousands of years, which transcends everything. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series called The Original Christmas Playlist. Christmas is a time with a lot of music. Maybe you're here this morning and you love Christmas music and you're just like, oh yeah, best time of year. You might be here and you're kind of like, oh my goodness, like turn off all the radios. I hate this stuff. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. It kind of depends on what. We have this kind of issue in our house where I married someone who thinks, for some reason, you can pray for her, that the Boney M Christmas album is a good option, okay? Don't, don't, don't encourage her. You're, we're trying to raise a daughter, and she's, like, being infected by poor musical... Anyways. I actually talked about this in first service, and afterwards, Darren came up. He said, thanks a lot. Lynn Googled it, found out they're playing in the area, and wants to buy tickets for a double date for us to go. <laughs> I said, it's all good. I got a splitter for my phone. We can watch Netflix together during the concert while our wives enjoy Feliz Navidad on repeat. Anyways. Christmas music's everywhere. In scripture, we see some songs. They're kind of like poems, maybe spoken song. And what we're looking at over the next few weeks is four of these songs. This week, Mary's song. And we're going to look at Zechariah's song, the angel's song, and Simeon's song. And what I love about this is we see these songs just kind of show up in the text. It's a narrative. And all of a sudden, there's this pause where there's this kind of this poem or this song, this cadence comes out. And, and it expresses something about what's going on there. And one thing I love is that at FBC, we talk about thinking small, engaging in personal relationships, because people matter. You know, churches, like, really are businesses or organizations, maybe business is the wrong word, but organizations that are about people. You know, we're kind of a customer service industry. We're, we're, we're here to cater to individuals and help them experience spiritual growth. God represents this well in that he doesn't just transcend everything and enact his will upon earth, but he shows up and he intersects with people's lives and injects himself into the narrative of people's lives and works through people. And over the next few weeks, we'll actually get to see that through some of these songs this morning, through Mary's song, where, you know, here's Mary's story going this way. God shows up and does something big, and this song reflects something big about what happened. And that's really what this series is about, is, is about reflecting on the incredible gift that we have in this baby named Jesus Christ that came a couple thousand years ago and showed up. And nowadays, we still get to celebrate that, and we are going to set aside the whole month of sermons to talk about that, to celebrate this baby. That being said, although Jesus is the best baby that was ever born, um, we, this morning we also get to do child dedications like Doug mentioned. And I'll just quickly let you guys know, I, you know, I know that we always have visitors and all that. Different churches have different traditions or practices around these kinds of things. For us at FBC, child dedication is an opportunity for us to get families up who have kids and um, to just introduce them to you guys, let you as a church community know who they are, pray for them. Um, it's, it's not a huge to-do here at FBC, but it's a really cool opportunity for us to say, hey, here's another cool family who's trying to raise their kids to lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. How can we partner with them? Let's pray for them and do that. So we're going to do that this morning. So I'm going to uh, call the uh, Amy and Dennis and kids up here and 
One of them's hiding. Yeah, you're gonna come? Okay, cool. Why don't we make some noise for them as they come up? Awesome. Yeah, you're on the Megatron there. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is Amy and Dennis, and this is Maya and AJ. And Amy is actually just telling me that in February it will be five years since she started being a part of FBC, which uh, is actually in January is my five-year anniversary of doing the preaching here at FBC. And so um, kind of, a, I, I don't know, that's a really disinteresting fact that I thought I would share with all of you there. But um, I was talking to them before the service, and I asked Maya actually if there were any I was like, what do people need to know about you? Like, what makes you, like, what's a fun fact, something interesting, what's something special people need to know? And she actually, she just said, she's like, that I like God. And I was like, oh, man, that was like, I was like kind of expecting something funny, and I almost like started tearing up when she said that. So um, really cool. These kids are awesome, and we're so blessed to have them as part of our community here at FBC. So why, why don't you guys join with me as, as we pray for them? God, thank you so much. Uh, for Amy and for Dennis and their desire to raise these kids to know you and to follow you and to love you, God. Um, it is an interesting and crazy journey raising children and trying to do that intentionally. I pray that you would give them the strength and wisdom and courage that they need to do so effectively. I pray that we as a church community would do our job of supporting them and um, investing in them and taking care of them and helping them um, raise these kids as best as they can, God. I pray for Maya and AJ, that they would grow up to love you. And I thank you for Maya's answer this morning, God, that you're already starting some cool things in her heart. Um, and, and I pray that you would just continue that. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot to say the thing you were... Yeah? Okay. Well, he forgot to say that. Um, but I forgot to say that... Uh, the, Amy was telling me AJ every single day like asks if he can come to FBC and wants to like like every day during and it's like yeah for sure Doug's office is open go in there but um, it was really cool to see these kids that stoked on coming and hanging out here so anyways thank you guys so much let's hear it for them. Just keep clapping until they leave. Okay. Yes. So anyways, I'm going to get uh, the Lodwigs to come on up here. Um, so yeah, you guys can make some noise for them while they come up. So. Come on over, man. It's all good. So this is, this is Michael and Christy, and this is Asher and Brighton, and they're, they're up there if you want to see them on the Jumbotron. And that's a, that's a nice hug you're giving your sister. That's a good job. So that was those pictures don't exist of my sister and me growing up. So you're on the right track. You're doing better than we were. So anyways, yeah, Michael and Christy, um, how long have you been at FBC? A year? Okay, kind of newer. Um, and just an awesome part of our community already. And they got these two amazing kids. And hopefully you'll be getting to know these guys, this whole family a little bit more over the coming years here at FBC. But why don't you guys just pray with me as we pray for the Ludwigs. God, thank you so much uh, for Michael and Christy and their desire to um, raise their kids and be good parents and um, raise their kids to know you, God. Um, parenting is an interesting and crazy and difficult journey, um, and they've already gotten to experience a bunch of it, but as they continue down this path, God, I pray that... Yeah, I know. Um, as they continue down this path, I pray that you would just give them the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the creativity they need um, to be parents who always put their kids first and who, who selflessly serve them uh, for, their, for their best interests, God. Um, we love you so much. Help us as a church family 
um, surround them with love and encouragement as they continue on in this uh, crazy task task that we call parenting. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, thanks so much. Let's hear for the Lodwigs. Cool. Uh, I'll get Katie and Dan King to come on up with their little daughter, Anna. I say little daughter. She's, uh, she's growing fast, and you'll see why in a second. Um, so uh, this is Dan and Katie. Um, I feel really intimidated right now. Um, but uh, kind of been part of their world for the last few years. Uh, mostly Katie. I've known her for several years and getting to hear about her and Dan getting married and having this awesome, uh, beautiful girl named Anna. And uh, yeah, you excited to be up here? You want to say hi? Nope. Okay. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for letting us be a part of this. Here, maybe we can, can we try the handoff? Mm-hmm. Are we good with this? We had a fun zone play date recently, so um, we should be good. Yeah. Hey. All right. Why don't you guys pray with uh, Dan and Katie with, and Anna with me? God, thank you so much for this beautiful family. You are such a good father and such a good creator. We thank you for blessings like this, like Anna, who's part of this family and part of our faith community here at FBC, God. Um, I pray as she grows up that she would know your love and your goodness, and she'd grow up to be a healthy, strong girl who's committed to bringing your goodness and your truth to the world, God. Pray for Dan and Katie as they're as they're raising this awesome little girl, God, that you would give them the strength, the tools, the support that they need. We love you so much, God. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Anna. Let's hear it for this awesome family. Thanks, guys. Uh, so this morning we are looking at uh, a passage in Luke 1, 46 to 55, and it's the first song in our Christmas playlist here, the original Christmas playlist, and it's a song by someone that you may have heard of. Her name is Mary. She gave birth to a pretty significant baby named Jesus. Now, different parts of scripture sometimes are given like a name, like this, this little part has this name beyond just the reference and all that, and this part that we're looking at this morning is actually something called the Magnificat. Uh, maybe you already know about that. You've been at church. You've heard that before. Maybe you're here this morning you're like, what kind of cat? Um, when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that's weird. And even still, it's a weird name to me. It makes me think about just kind of whatever the most current kind of most popular cat meme is. So I brought a picture of Smudge just to make sure that we're all on the same page here this morning. So uh, it doesn't like that salad. Anyways, we, uh, Magnificat, it's this weird word. And what it really means is it comes from the language to magnify. And let's unpack what that means a little bit. So some of you might know the word magnify. I don't know if they still make magnifying glasses or if that's just like a thing of the past now that we have like digital technology. But, you know, you could look through a magnifying glass and it would like make stuff bigger. You know, it just enlarge it. You know, so kids, if you understand what I'm talking about, picture on your phone and you reverse pinch, right? You're zooming in. So to magnify means to make something bigger. You can do it with like light rays from the sun if you're holding an ant or things like that. So anyways... What's going on here is this Magnificat is a song of Mary magnifying, making larger God, which actually isn't possible because God is transcendent and so big that he can't be made bigger. But what it means to magnify God is it means to increase your perspective, your understanding, your picture, your view of who God is. And usually what happens in that is that you start to better understand your smallness. As God becomes bigger, as he increases, you 
decrease. And this isn't some kind of self-deprecating, beat yourself up, I'm nothing kind of thing. But what happens is when we become smaller and we enlarge our view of God, when we magnify God, what happens is that we begin, to, we begin to see a greater view of who he is, his goodness, and it gives us more opportunity to experience that goodness and to lean into that. Talk about thinking, thinking in, engaging personally with God. This doesn't just mean, you know, pouring more into your understanding of him by kind of just getting to know him. A huge part of this is realizing the magnitude of who God is, the gravity of his grandeur and greatness. And in that, it brings humility, it brings a sense of awareness that you are one of seven billion roaming around in this giant universe. But there's this God who wants to engage with you that allows us to think in. And at Christmas, came very personally in human form and started this mission that we have to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's an incredible story. So leading up to this song, here's what's going on. Mary is, this, is part of this young couple, Mary and Joseph. You've probably heard this. There's a young couple. They're living in, um, they're living in the Middle East, uh, first century BCE. They're not married yet, which is a significant detail. I'm sure a lot of you know this, but Mary's a virgin. They haven't done the deed yet, so she couldn't be pregnant. But an angel shows up and says, Mary, you are pregnant. It's a miracle pretty scary, wild thing. She, the angel shows up and tells Joseph as well, and they, they have these mixed emotions, and you kind of read the narrative, and kind of a crazy thing. But, you know, eventually Mary realizes this is an incredible blessing, and she starts to understand that this is going to be something great. This isn't just, oh, I get to be a mom, but that something great is going to come out of this. And as you read the narrative in Luke 1, what happens is she shows up at her relative Elizabeth's house and she gets there and Elizabeth, it says that Elizabeth's like really old, like kind of past when she'd have kids or whatever, so they're not expecting that she'd be having kids. But Elizabeth's actually pregnant too. And it says when Mary shows up, that she walks into the house, the baby in Elizabeth's stomach actually like leaps for joy. I'm not sure what that's like. I've never been pregnant. I'm sure as a pregnant woman, that's a pretty unsettling feeling. You're like, it's like, Zechariah, go get the car. We got to get to the hospital. I don't know what's going on with my gymnast baby in here, but there's something going on. And as the baby leaps for joy, and Mary and Elizabeth, like, they celebrate together this gift that they've been given by God, that God has allowed them to become mothers, and kind of in two different ways. And both of them are going to be pretty significant kids. You can read on about Elizabeth's story as well. And I love that Mary stops here to sing this song because. It's so easy in life when things are good, when great things happen, when God shows up and does something cool, when he blesses us, it's so easy for us to just cruise on by, to just keep on flying, move on with life. And Mary pauses here and reflects on how great God is and that it's, she's experiencing his goodness. And it's something that I know that I struggle with in life and I need to do more in life. And so this morning, there's, there's not like some big teaching I want to offer you. There's not some big lesson or some big homework at the end. What I want this morning as we kick off our Christmas season here is I want us to just take time to join in on Mary's reflection in Mary's song and reflect on how good God is, to magnify him, to make him bigger, and to realize that even though we're small, he's a good and loving God, and that at Christmas, the greatest gift is that we can engage personally with him, and we can be a part of the amazing things that he's doing here on earth, in the same way that he worked through Mary's life, he wants to be a part of our lives. So that's all this morning, as we begin to celebrate the birth of Jesus, is to reflect on God's incredible goodness. Luke 1:46, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, 
For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I I love this. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in him. Why? Because for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Here's Mary really not overdoing who she is. I mean, we live in a pretty individualistic culture and it's easy for us to think, you know, I'm just so great. Mary recognizes exactly who she is. She is a young girl who's not married yet, who's living in first century BCE, uh, you know, Middle East. Her nation, Israel, is imperialized by the evil Roman emperor, empire, and they're living kind of in an oppressive state. She's probably not rich, probably doesn't have a whole lot going on, and God shows up and does something incredible in her life. She's, she's just this, she's like, I'm just a girl, you know, kind of a no-doubt reference, and she's just like, who am I in my humble state that God would show up and do incredible things in my life? And, you know, I love this um, because, you know, we often think if I can just do enough, if I can be good enough, there's maybe almost kind of like a spiritual karma with God or something where it's like, if I do these things, then maybe God will show up. Maybe God will use me in these ways. God's goodness and his gifts are just that. They are free. They are not awarded to us on the merit of what we do. They're given to us on the merit that with them, we can do great things. We don't do great things to receive the gifts. We get the gifts so that we can do great things. I've been reflecting on this with our, our daughter, Avra. I know I talk about her a lot on this morning. You know, we're talking about baby Jesus and child dedication, so I'm going to talk about her a bit. But I, I've been reflecting on this with my daughter, Avra, because I want to start young with her on, on money. I want her to grow up knowing how to manage money, to be generous. I want her to be able to count and do math, because that's kind of a value to me. But um, I, you know, I, I want her to start learning this. So I decided I'm going to start giving her a little bit of money every week. So I'll give her 10 dimes a week. It's a buck a week. It's not much. She has no idea of the value of money yet, so right now she's totally stoked on that. When she's 25 and I'm still giving her a buck a week, she might be a little choked about that, but right now, it's working really well. Dimes might not even exist by the time she's 25, but I don't know. But anyways, I give these 10 dimes a week, she counts them into her jars, and we're, we're learning this lesson. And it was interesting, because my instinct was, well, what should she do in order to earn this allowance? What should she do in order to earn this dollar a week? Now, now hear me out. I'm all for, you know, doing chores and getting some, you know, money for that and people working for that and all that. But it was interesting that my mentality, first of all, went to thinking, okay, if I'm going to give her something, what is she going to do to deserve it? And I realized, man, I, I really struggle to understand the goodness of God's grace and mercy that he just offers us good gifts for free without. God doesn't look around and say, okay, I'm going to send baby Jesus, but what are they going to do for me? For what, what is Mary going to do to earn this privilege? Shows up and says, Mary, I'm going to do something great in your life. It's a great responsibility. I expect you to deal with it well, but it's not because Mary's got some crazy resume or she's done all these things and, you know, God's like, oh, you're just killing it out there. So, you know, no, no, no. I'm going to show up and do something. God's gifts are gifts and he is so good. And so for me, it's been cool. It's been challenging to kind of try to reverse that mentality. But yeah, Avra's going to have to learn to work for certain things. But I also need the gospel to be clearly reflected through my life as I give her things as a loving father, just as gifts and acts of goodness to reflect God to her without expecting her to do something in order to earn it. 
And this is what happens. She says, the mighty one, the God who is above all else, has regarded the, the humble state of his servant Mary. And it says, Mary, I'm going to partner with you and do something really cool in your life. She continues on in verse 50 and says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So not only is God good, but he's also merciful. And, you know, I'll clarify that a little bit. I mean, it's one thing to give good gifts, you know, and to just say, well, you don't deserve this. Mercy is to withhold the things that we do deserve that we don't want. God doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to hook you up and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to love you. But he says, your selfishness, as a human, your destructive behaviors and attitudes, the things that you do that are not good choices, that I could punish you for, or I could let you experience all kind of heartbreak and turmoil and anguish over, if you'll accept my mercy, I'll withhold that from you. I will, I will be good to you even when what you deserve is the opposite. This idea of fearing God maybe trips people up a little bit. Mary there isn't saying, well, you know, if we're all just like scared of God and running away from God, he's going to give us mercy. But as she's magnifying him, there is this healthy understanding of what it means to fear God. God is so big and he is perfect and he is holy and he is free from flaw and he is loving and benevolent and kind and compassionate and all these things. And here I am, Ryan or Mary, struggling in life to make choices that aren't selfish, struggling with my own sinfulness, my own bend to do things that, that are contrary to what God has created me for. There should be a feeling of intimidation that it's like, man, the fact that God knows all of those details about my life, that he can see right through me and knows every thought of my heart, the words that would come off my tongues before they come off, that, 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 that's, a, that, that's, a, that's an overwhelming thought. That's intimidating. But this isn't a call to live a life of fear as we approach God where, where we're just intimidated and we're running away. It's to have a healthy understanding of what that should look like and then leaning into God's grace and goodness and realizing, man, this is a God who we approach with reverence and with awe and with respect and with humility and thankfulness as he withholds in his mercy what we deserve and gives us good gifts even when we deserve the opposite. She continues on. She says, he, God, has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. This kingdom of God is a very upside-down kingdom. Our, our, typical, our typical picture of, you know, a powerful king or a ruling king is this, like, warlord guy who's strong and mighty and rich and magnificent and surrounds himself with the best and the smartest and the strongest and the greatest and the most self-assured. But, but this isn't the kingdom that God establishes here on earth. He isn't some warrior who comes and kicks in the door of earth and says, everyone back off. Here I am, God, above all of you, and starts surrounding him with, with himself with the people who have it all together. No, he comes as a baby, a baby who is very dependent on his parents, a baby who needs to be changed, a baby born in a feeding trough, maybe in the middle of a field or a cave or a barn, we don't know, but, but born in a very humble estate, humble state, nothing special going on, goes through the frailties and futilities of human existence and gives everything. And, and check this out. It says, he scatters those who are proud. He brings down rulers and thrones. But what does he do? He lifts up the humble. 
You know, typically, if you're if you have kind of like horror stories from gym class when people would pick teams and you know you're the last they're picking the biggest the strongest I mean I definitely feel that but they're like the game pick last part not the biggest strongest part but you know people look for who's the greatest who can contribute the most you know if you were building a kingdom you'd say who's the richest who's the most powerful who has all these worldly things that we have this mentality that it matters and Jesus shows up and he says who's humble Who's willing to put others first? Because that's his whole mission. Jesus comes born in humility as this little baby, struggles through life, is persecuted, and we know the end of the story, lays down his life to extend mercy and grace so that people can experience his forgiveness and love and hope in eternity. He says, if you're humble, I'm going to lift you up. If you're hungry, I'll fill you. If you're rich and self-assured and you don't need me, then I don't have anything for you. You'll be, brought low. you'll be brought low, which is good news for me because sometimes I am desperate. Sometimes I am fragile. Sometimes I need things. And I don't know if you've ever been desperate in life. I'm assuming most of us have those moments where we just, we just don't have it on our own. This is the perfect kind of kingdom for you. If you think that you need to just have it all together on your own, and be self-assured and strong enough, and you can just rely on yourself. God's gift is best experienced when we approach him with the humility that we see Mary approaching him with here, as she magnifies him and realizes that she is small in comparison to this incredible, eternal God. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So there's a little bit of history and theology going on there, so I'll read that one more time. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When, when someone promises you something or tells you something or leads you to believe something and they don't come through, that's brutal. I mean, I'm assuming no one enjoys that. I'm assuming most of us have experienced that where people offer us something, they say they're going to do something, they don't come through on their promises. And what can be more deflating? And that happens a lot in human existence. I mean, we're just selfish people and we've, we've got insufficiencies and we're broken and we struggle with our sinfulness and our, our shortcomings and, and we make promises and we write checks that our lives just can't deliver. This is what's cool about God is he doesn't just show up and say, here's a promise, and then here's like a quick fulfillment. God makes deep, rich promises that last for generations and generations and thousands of years. What's going on in this text is Mary's connecting the dots. She's just found out that she's carrying this child who will be the Messiah, the Savior, the coming King. As we were singing earlier, Emmanuel, God with us, who's going to change everything, who's going to, who's going to incite this mission on planet Earth for us to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For thousands of years, we're going to be celebrating this. She knows this is a big thing, but she knows that this is not just happening in this moment, but this is the unfolding of God's promises through his narrative of eternal time. Let me, let me say it a different way. God throughout time makes promises and he continues to unfold the fulfillment of his promises. And he is always true to his promises. So if you read the Old Testament, there's this guy named Abraham. Him and his wife, Sarah, they're pretty old. And God shows up and says, you're going to have a son. And they're like, uh, actually, Sarah like laughs. She's like, that's not going to happen. 25 years later, they thought they were too old to have kids then. They thought, you know, it's not even physically possible then. 25 years later, this is a crazy story. If you have time, go in Genesis. They have this kid. 
And the promise isn't just you're going to have this kid, but God says, Abraham, look at the stars. Look at the sand on, this, on the beach. You, your descendants are going to be far more than this. You will not be able to count your descendants. Your family line will be eternal and it will be huge. And he's not talking about just a physical family with, you know, you're going to have lots of like, you know, great nephews and nieces and grandchildren and all that. Your family is going to grow like that. But what happens throughout the Old Testament, there's this unfolding and it culminates in the coming of Jesus that God is building this spiritual family, this thing called the church, this community of followers of Jesus that all of us can be part of and that when you decide to follow Jesus, what you're actually becoming is part of the fulfillment of the promise that God gave Abraham that his family would outnumber the stars in the sky, that you're part of this spiritual family with God, that God adopts you as his sons and daughters and you become part of this thing. The words Israel, church, followers of Jesus, it's interchangeable and it's this promise that's being laid out and Mary stops to realize that this baby, this coming of Jesus, this is like the incarnation of that promise. Jesus has come, the Messiah has come. This incredible family line that was promised to Abraham is being fulfilled through Jesus where now all can receive mercy and grace and all can receive eternal hope through Jesus Christ who's come to change the world. And his example is one of goodness and humility. So like I said, I, I don't have some big teaching or some big lesson or takeaway this morning. But what I hope is that, you know, Christmas, it, it comes and goes. And it's kind of the same thing every year. And I'll be honest, as a pastor, my least favorite sermons to preach are usually around holidays. Because I'm just like, what do I say that's like different this year. You know, Thanksgiving, be thankful, you know, like Easter, yeah, Jesus rose, you know, it's, it's all incredible stuff, but it's just like, you know, and we can fall into this routine of, yeah, like Christmas comes, we buy gifts, family comes over, we eat way too much, January, we try to work it off, two weeks later, we, we stop, you know, and you, you get into this routine of just, this is kind of what it is. And I want to invite you guys, it's such a good thing to pause like Mary has, to slow down and, and to magnify God to realize how great he is and the fact that he would want to come and engage personally with you and be a part of your world and offers you freely, not on the merit of what you've done, but his goodness, his grace, his love, and it came in the form of this baby, Jesus Christ. I don't know what Christmas is like for you. I don't know if it's super busy. Maybe your Christmas is lonely. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's sad. There might be brokenness there. It might be your favorite time of year. I have no idea. What I do know is that God's goodness... This gift that he's offered us is for everyone and it's compatible with whatever your situation is. No matter how good or how bad or how anything it is, God's goodness is the perfect remedy for whatever you're going through. It's the perfect thing to experience all that you're experiencing through. So I hope this Christmas season, as we continue through this series, as we reflect on some different songs, I hope that you will be able to just stop like Mary does and realize how great God is and how good he is and, and just be consumed by that as we prepare to celebrate Jesus' birth. The band's gonna come, we're gonna sing another song, but why don't, you guys, why don't you guys pray with me first? God, thank you so much that you are such a good and incredible God. And although you are so big and we are so small, that you freely show up and interact with our lives. And my prayer would be that as Mary stops to magnify you, to worship you, to reflect on how incredible you are, to practice humility and thankfulness and gratitude, that this Christmas season, over this month, that we would just slow down and stop in the busyness to remember how incredible 
and how gracious and how loving you are, God. And in turn, help us be an extension of that goodness to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.